In November 2022, the World Health Organization renamed monkeypox to Mpox. This was in order to fight stigmatization surrounding the name. Combating shame and stigma surrounding Mpox is one of the primary goals of this series. As this was recorded prior to this change, this episode will feature references to the original name. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Today's episode of What the Pox is going to sound a little bit different. The monkeypox outbreak is currently ongoing. And as such... The information about how governments are responding is ever-changing. UK Health Secretary Therese Coffey has rejected advice from officials to procure additional doses of the monkeypox vaccine. That's the top line from Donato Mancini's scoop for the Financial Times this weekend. But what does this mean? It is temporary. Above all else, that is what I remember that got me through it. We need to make sure that gay and bisexual men have access to the vaccine. What I'm seeing a lot in the media are quite stigmatising messages. If people were always, you know, doing exactly the right thing, then there'd be no STIs ever in the world. It does beg the question, if this was affecting heterosexual white people, maybe wouldn't be in this situation potentially. It is the job of a sexual health doctor, of an infectious disease doctor, to give people the ability to have the type of sex that they like with as low a risk as possible of infectious disease. Welcome back to What the Pox, the podcast talking about monkeypox without shame or stigma. Alongside that, we're also the show that will report on major developments as the outbreak unfolds. This weekend, the Financial Times released an article announcing that the UK Health Secretary, Therese Coffey, has rejected advice from officials to procure additional doses of the monkeypox vaccine which has raised great concern that it will leave the UK ill-prepared for a resurgence of the disease. This news comes as the outbreak could be curtailed if the progress continues, with cases currently down to just 100 a week. It also flies in the face of advice from the UK Health Security Agency and sexual health experts. So what the pox is going on? Here's my conversation with Donato Mancini, the pharma correspondent from Financial Times, who actually broke this story. Okay, Donato, tell me what you found out. We were told by people with good knowledge of the matter, with reliable enough knowledge of the matter, that officials at the UK Health Security Agency had presented a plan to procure additional monkeypox vaccine to the Secretary of State and to the Health Secretary, Therese Coffey. Um, this had been put to coffee, uh, and she decided not to go ahead because of uh, because of concerns around value for money, essentially. So, just quickly, uh, who are the UKHSA, and why does what they say matter? 
taking a step back on this, um, UKHSA is, a, is the agency in charge of sort of dealing with infectious diseases and other types of diseases as well in the UK. It, is, it has been at the forefront of the fight against monkeypox, of COVID, against polio and so on. Uh, and it's also been in charge of procuring vaccines for, for the outbreak. And as we and others have reported, there have been significant shortages when it comes to monkeypox vaccines. There are several reasons for that. The main one is probably that the only manufacturer of this vaccine, Denmark's Bavarian Nordic, is the only one able to make this vaccine, and so supplies are finite. Uh, but there's also been considerable criticism, both internally and externally, of the HSA to say that they essentially underestimated how many people would come forward for vaccination in the UK. So the phrase value for money is pretty striking. Uh, what does that mean in the bigger picture? The HSA says it's done all it could and, you know, it, it has procured enough vaccine for enough people um, that it puts public health first and that the, the supply constraints have been a real issue. So uh, it is true that it has to, that it has had to sort of sort of operate within the constraints of, of finite supply. The report that we published on Saturday uh, was significant for a number of reasons, even though I'm, I'm not one to toot my own horn. Uh, but I think it shows... Um, that there is perhaps a disconnect between the people that work for HSA and central government. And I think that's quite significant in the sense that if people work for HSA, working for HSA estimate that um, it makes sense to get extra monkeypox vaccine for the long run, for the longer term protection of the UK, um, it is quite significant that that would get shot down when it is put to central government. Monkeypox has been quite complex um, because... Uh, cases surged. It was. It's not an endemic disease. I, I mean, until this year, it wasn't an endemic disease uh, in the global north. And so, obviously, it's it's almost like dealing with a completely new disease, right? Even though it's been around for a very long time, even though it's been around in in the global south for quite a while, uh, all the all the outbreaks that we had seen in in the global north had been self-contained, had fizzled out on their own, and didn't really need major. Uh, intervention, whether non-pharmaceutical or pharmaceutical. Uh, I think that the main issue there is kind of is understanding that there is that the experts, quote unquote, say we need this vaccine for the long run, and central government saying actually we don't. This doesn't mean that they won't procure it in the future. I think this is very important to to kind of t to stress and to underline. Um, it is possible that they might decide to procure it in the future if the trajectory of the of the of the outbreak changes. Um, there is enough vaccine now to offer the one hundred and ten thousand people eligible for vaccination first and second doses. A part of that is aided by so-called fractional dosing, which means that you can extract three, four, five uh, doses from one single vial. Um, and so there isn't really a concern in the short term. I think that's very important to. To say, but at the same time, we know that demand is really high. So it might also be that maybe these vaccines get depleted sooner than we think, or uh, that at some point cases start going up again after leveling off for a very long time. Then what that kind of raises the question of what will happen then. So this means we're talking about future procurement beyond the current additional 100,000 doses that were announced. Therese Coffey's decision won't impact on the current availability of first and second doses. So, right now, those who can get a vaccine are healthcare workers who are looking after people who may or may not have monkeypox, like sexual health workers, for example, 
Uh, also, obviously, gay, bisexual, or other men who have sex with men, they're at a much higher risk of exposure. And depending on where you try to get your vaccine, there is a postcode lottery on whether or not you qualify. And the other group, finally, is people who have already had close contact with a patient with confirmed monkeypox. So here's a little vaccine procurement history. I spoke to Will Notland, co-founder of The Love Tank, who you have heard on this show earlier in the series. He says that earlier this summer, the UK HSA believed there were approximately 38,000 eligible people. So 38,000 times 2 equals 78,000 doses. That was the plan. There were experts that disagreed with this who wrote a consensus statement that said they thought we needed 250,000 doses. They all then met a group that included the UK HSA, Prepster, Terence Higgins Trust, National AIDS Trust, Association Directors of Public Health, and British Association of Sexual Health and HIV. They came together to reach an agreement on the figures. Those figures were released just over a week ago. And they agreed 112,000 doses, or 224,000 double doses. That is what they're saying is needed to vaccinate those who are currently eligible. And if fractional dosing is used for most of those people, then there's enough to cover all of those who are currently eligible. So that's currently. So with this new information, there are questions to be asked. Here's Will Nutland. The question we're collectively asking is, what needs to happen after we've offered double vaccination to all of those currently available? What happens if you're currently not having sex, but will do so in six months' time? What happens if you're not yet um, having sex with other men, but you do next summer? So there's an assumption that once the currently eligible people are vaccinated, the job is done. And whilst it's clear that monkeypox incidence is falling and falling pretty impressively, we just don't know what will happen next. Given the current scarcity of vaccine globally, if we don't start a procurement process that brings in more vaccine and that probably won't arrive well into 2023, and numbers started to increase again, then we'd have very little chance of getting hold of any more vaccine in the UK when we needed it. And the problem or the challenge is that the UK is not an island. And if currently unvaccinated people travel next year to a part of the world where monkeypox incidence is higher than the UK and return to the UK with monkeypox and have sex in networks with other unvaccinated people, we might, we might see outbreaks reoccurring. We might not. But this is a really big gamble to take with only one global manufacturer and a global lengthy waiting list. So anyone with any sense would be thinking really hard about future procurement and listening to expert opinion. And some of that expert opinion might suggest that it's pragmatic to offer vaccination to all men who have sex with men and the people they have sex with as part of ongoing routine sexual health vaccination at least until we know more about what's happening. So what does this decision mean if there is another spike in numbers? Which, if COVID or other viruses show us, could happen at any time. That's after the break. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger. Feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So what does it mean for future procurement of vaccines? If we suddenly see a spike in case numbers, are we going to be able to get hold of them? There's one manufacturer and supplier of this vaccine globally. This is a company called Bavaria Nordic. It's based in Denmark. It's been literally flooded with orders since the outbreaks kind of surged in May. Um, and I know, as we reported, uh, at some point in September, at some point between August and September, there was a real shortage of vaccines in the UK. There weren't enough doses coming in to sort of meet the demand of the people wanting to get vaccinated. And so hopefully that scenario won't materialize again. My feeling, my estimation, and also what the company says, is that... Uh, they will be able to meet demand once and when when it arises. Obviously, um, there's there's a scale, right, in what could happen. Um, you could have a low-level epidemic going on for a very long time with sort of peaks and troughs, or you could have a absolutely unexpected, crazy surge of cases. Um, and I guess we'll have to see what happens in each and every one of those scenarios. And this is one of the fears that Susan Cole from Nam AIDS Map has. And if an epidemic on a mass scale was to happen, who would be the people that are most affected? Monkeypox, like HIV, disproportionately affects people from marginalised communities. I do wonder if there would be more appetite for the government to buy vaccines if monkeypox was impacting the wider population. What happens when the supply is gone? What happens if we see cases rise again and monkeypox becomes endemic in the UK, yet we don't have the vaccines to protect people? Yes, the vast majority of people will recover from monkeypox, but it can be really unpleasant and painful. And there have been at least 22 deaths globally during this outbreak. I'm also very concerned that monkeypox will further fuel the existing health inequities we see in the UK, disproportionately affecting people of colour. The scientists are making it clear 
Getting people vaccinated is how we can prevent monkeypox becoming endemic in the UK. If there's one thing we can learn from HIV and COVID-19, it's listen to the scientists. We cannot afford to be complacent and unprepared. Okay, so it's really hard to not acknowledge that we have just had a huge shift within our government. So is this new cabinet the reason why this decision has been made? It was a question that we, we asked ourselves and of our sources, but the the truth is we do not know. We know that the advice that was put to, to coffee on the 21st of September was formulated recently. Um, uh, I'm not sure how Barclay, her predecessor, might have reacted. Uh, I don't know that. There's there's no way we, we would ever know, to be honest with you. Um, I do think this there is a sense more broadly in government in general, so this isn't just about health stuff or other or, or similar areas, that there needs to be kind of consciousness about cost. Uh, that's something that we've heard, um, that many of my colleagues that deal with other things have heard a lot and so that's something to keep in mind um but it was it was it was quite significant mostly because the people that put this advice to her were pretty convinced of the fact that it was the right thing to do uh and so when they were told no they were left in shock obviously um coffee uh took on the job when when about like three weeks ago and you you might remember she she angered health workers by issuing an edict on Oxford commas and sort of telling people to be positive and, and you know, use you and we, it makes us sound more human. And I don't think that landed well with the people that work at HSA, to be honest with you. And so I think it's more of an incremental set of things that aren't really, that are creating maybe a bit of friction. I think the UK to say as we and others, The Guardian has also reported, has gone through uh, significant job cuts, significant budget cuts, um, and so to, so yeah, there's, there's something there, I think. Okay. So just to check, they made this decision and essentially just kept quiet about it, right? Yes. Yes. That's what happened. They didn't communicate it. It didn't, you know, there's one, the one way to kind of understand how these things work is usually when you see the story picked up by other newspapers. So, um, there is a lack of denial usually implies what what's happened right we we wouldn't have published if we had been sure uh, but once other reporters go and ask the uk to say directly without checking out with their sources or because they're unable to to match the reporting with their sources um a lack of denial usually tells you everything you need to know um and it was a lack of denial that was given to us as well right so the 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 uk to say actually didn't respond to to the to they when we went to the uk to say they decided to go they decided to have the government instead respond. Um, and so we, what the government told us, we, we reported faithfully. So what was the government response then? Spokesperson for the government said the UK had enough doses to offer two doses to the 110,000 people deemed to be eligible for the shot. People at high risk, at high risk of contracting monkeypox are eligible for the two shots. Uh, and then... It obviously they defended what they've done so far, which which isn't nothing. Just just so it's clear, they they have put a significant amount of effort into this. I think they procured, they moved early, quote unquote, to secure one hundred fifty thousand vaccines amid global shortages and rapidly deploying jabs to those most at risk. And then they say we're not complacent and we continue to encourage people to remain vigilant. 
and take up the offer of a vaccine if offered. We continue to monitor the situation. We'll communicate any future um, decisions about supply and procurement in the usual way. That's what they said. And they haven't, I don't think they've changed their statement since Saturday. So this response doesn't really look to the future. And experts and those like myself who have experience of this disease are really worried. Here's Matthew Hodson from NAM AIDS Map. We've seen from our experience of HIV that we can resolve these issues. We can resolve these challenges if we take strong action, if we prepare for the variety of eventualities. The community response to monkeypox has been significant, but we need to have that access through the vaccine and we need to ensure that that will be there will be available for for other people who may be affected for people whose sex lives may be changing the numbers we have for people who will benefit from the vaccine are not fixed they're not stable people will enter into that group just as other people leave that group so it's really important that access to the vaccine is maintained and Matthew isn't the only one concerned. I asked Donato what the response had been since he'd released the information. People that work in this in this space, that are active in this space and aren't just the government. So I'm talking about the THT, I'm talking about all parliamentary group, I'm talking about activists, I'm talking about clinicians, uh, are are concerned about the long term. Um, they they wonder whether this is the right way to kind of hedge against the possible resurgence of the disease. Now, we need to keep in mind that this it's not a given that monkeypox will surge again, okay? We might be very lucky, and this might be the only real wave of monkeypox the UK or the Global North ever experiences. However, <laughs> if, um, if experience from other diseases actually teaches us anything, it's, it's possible that it might actually happen. Um, and so I think we, we kind of... I think that's, that's the crux of the issue, right? The people that um, privately criticize, the people who are in charge of dealing with parts of the response uh, and privately criticize the government for this decision are concerned about that. That's, that's what we've heard. So that's where we're at. And if the question is, how is the UK government currently responding to monkeypox? The answer is, they are not planning to procure any more vaccines other than what we already have. But what about the rest of the world? On the next episode, I'll be speaking to Dr. Dimitri Daskalakis, the Deputy Coordinator for the White House National Monkeypox Response. We have provided a lot of vaccine to really big events in the US that focus on gay, bisexual, other men who have sex with men and transgender or gender diverse folks. Um, and we're seeing really great uptake uh, of vaccine in these, uh, in these non-traditional spaces like Pride events. We went to Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, um, Boise, Idaho Pride, all sorts of really fantastic- Thank you to today's voices, Donato Mancini, Matthew Hodson, Susan Cole, and Will Notland. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Martin Joseph, and executive produced by Jamie Wareham. What the Pox is a quiz. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. RAF Production. And if you're enjoying the show, you should know. We're doing this because it counts, not for clicks, which is why if you think we've earned it, we'd love it if you consider making this show possible with a Queer AF membership. Whatever you can give, big or small, it just makes a huge difference to getting the word out about the show and putting it in front of those who need it the most. It also gets you early access to episodes as soon as they're ready. You can listen ad-free, plus you'll get a newsletter that helps you understand LGBTQIA news every Saturday. Help us end the silence. Visit wearequeeraf.com forward slash whatthepox to find out more and read our monkeypox resources. That's wearequeeraf.com forward slash whatthepox. We are Queer AF, and so are you.